Welcome to 30 Minutes on 91.3 KXCI Tucson. I'm Amanda Schager. My guest today is Carolyn sugiyama Klassen, editor of the Southern Arizona Japanese Cultural Coalition and former legislative aide to U.S. Senator Daniel Inoue from Hawaii, who was instrumental in the creation of the National Commission, which investigated the World War II Japanese internment which actually is being commemorated the 75th anniversary of the internment. Thank you, Amanda. Yes, February 19, 2017, was the 75th anniversary of the signing of Executive Order 9066 by Franklin D. Roosevelt. This was the famous or infamous executive order which set into motion the internment of 120,000 innocent Japanese Americans during World War II. There were uh, nationwide events in commemoration of this day, and here at the Tucson Desert Art Museum, there are ongoing three exhibits about the Japanese American internment camps. I can give you the names of the three exhibits. The first one is Gambate, Legacy of an Enduring Spirit, Triumphing Over Adversity, Japanese American World War II Incarceration Reflections Then and Now. This particular exhibit is a photographic exhibit by Paul Kitagaki Jr. He found the original 1940s black and white photographs and then he found the people in the photographs and photographed them again in black and white and told their stories. So it's a fascinating photo exhibit. The second one, Behind Barbed Wire, Japanese American Incarceration in Arizona, talks about the two large relocation centers that were here in Arizona. A lot of people don't know that Arizona had two of these large camps. One was in Gila River, just up the road near Phoenix, and the other one was in Poston near Parker, Arizona. And then the third exhibit, Art of Circumstance, Arts and Artifacts Created by Japanese Americans Incarcerated During World War II, um, is a wonderful exhibit about, with beautiful watercolors and poetry and some artifacts from the camps themselves, such as uh, wooden slippers, which we call geta, and beautiful carved wooden bird, bird pins that some of the internees made and painted somehow during the relocation. How long does that exhibit go on at the Desert Art Museum? The exhibit goes till April 30. It started in early November. For those who don't know, the Tucson Desert Art Museum is at 7000 East Tonki Verde Road, just west of Sabino Canyon Road. As a Japanese-American, Carolyn Klassen, is the internment something that you knew about all your life? I have to reflect here because um, why this is a personal story for me is that my father, Francis Sueo Sugiyama, was unfortunately a dental student at the University of Southern California when Pearl Harbor was bombed. He was summarily expelled from USC because of his race, and he didn't return to Hawaii. My father is a U.S. citizen born in the Trust Territory of Hawaii. He stayed in L.A., and then he must have heard about the camps because initially General DeWitt, who was instigating the camps, issued voluntary passes 
So 5,000 people from the West Coast were able to get these passes and flee into the interior of the United States. And my father was fortunately one of them. So he told me as a young woman, as I grew up, that he fled to Chicago, lost his credits and his money tuition at USC, but he took classes at Loyola University and then got readmitted to the University of Maryland Dental School. So he was able to finish his education and fortunately was not interned in the camps. That's why I heard about it as a child, so I knew an injustice had been done to my father and our people. And then I heard about the camps and started talking to internees when I came to the U.S. mainland. Then years later, I ended up working for U.S. Senator Danny Noe, and people have asked me, how in the world did that happen? Danny Noe married my first cousin, Maggie Aramora, before I was even born, because my father, being the youngest of that whole family of immigrants from Japan, his second oldest sister was Maggie Aramura's mother. So in other words, my father ended up being Danny Noy's uncle. So I wrote to the senator, and he said, yeah, I have a job for you. So I arrived in January 1979, and this was an opportune moment because the aide who had been handling this particular issue of the Japanese-American internment had just resigned. I walked into Senator Inouye's office on Capitol Hill at the right time. I was a young attorney. I knew a lot about civil rights and constitutional law, and this was just perfect. So I helped create the commission with the senator. I actually created the name of the commission. It's called the Commission on Wartime Relocation and Internment of Civilians. I didn't want the name Japanese Americans in the title because I didn't want people to notice that this was supposed to be about Japanese Americans. I wanted to broaden it to become a wartime commission that investigated any wrong that happened to people at that time in response to Executive Order 9066. It was about civilians, not military personnel. These were innocent civilians who were taken away by our own government, and this was on American soil. Once the bill was introduced, which was Senate Bill 1647, it was introduced in both the Senate and then the House, and then it was my job to lobby to get this bill co-sponsors and to get it passed. And I worked for over a year and a half, and we were successful. So the bill was signed by President Jimmy Carter. I have a photograph that the senator sent me of the signing of the bill, and he writes here, Oh, this is in the senator's handwriting, Senator Inouye's handwriting. For Carolyn Sugiyama, this was your day. With much affection and gratitude, aloha, Daniel K. Inouye. The senator appreciated all the work I did because I was driven. I realized that this was a civil rights issue. These were innocent American citizens and permanent residents who had been taken away from their homes on the West Coast of the United States without due process. There were no charges ever brought against these people. Sure, they had notice of what was happening. I mean, they were given like 24 hours or 48 hours to leave their homes, but there were no hearings and there were no charges. Amanda, what was particularly disturbing about Executive Order 9066 was that we attorneys say it was neutral on its face. 
which means it applied to everybody. It was an exclusion order for military areas and the Western Defense Command, which meant Alaska, Washington, Oregon, California. But it was only applied to the Japanese Americans. It was not applied to German Americans or Italian Americans. They were not rounded up in large numbers like the Japanese Americans were. You're saying that the language for the executive order did not specify any nationality? That's right. The executive order was just an exclusion order for a geographic area. The Western Defense Command defined later what the area was, and that's how they included Arizona, but only parts of Arizona, not the entire state. Carolyn Sugiyama-Klassen, what happened after the bill was signed? It seems like, in a way, that was just the beginning or the early part of getting the commission formed. Right. The Japanese-American community had been already asking for redress back in the early 1980s. But my boss, Senator Inouye, told them that he couldn't get it passed, not yet in Congress. And he was the senior senator from Hawaii. There were two Japanese-American congressmen, Norman Mineta and Stan Matsui, over in the House who pushed their companion bill and were successful, with my help as well. But in the Senate, Senator Inouye knew that he had to go for a commission. After the commission bill was created in 1980, the commission did go out and have hearings for several months in 10 U.S. cities. They heard from 750 people who had been interned or somehow affected Then the report came out in 1982. The report is entitled, Personal Justice Denied. And the report, of course, found that a grave injustice had been done to American citizens and resident aliens of Japanese ancestry who, without individual review or any probative evidence against them, were excluded, removed, and detained by the United States during World War II. I'm reading this from page 18 of the report. So based on this report, the redress effort was even stronger, and eventually redress was given. The Civil Liberties Act of 1988 was passed by Congress. President Ronald Reagan signed it, and he did say in a public speech that a wrong had been righted, finally. And so he apologized, and $20,000 was given to each of the attorneys were still alive. At that time, Amanda, only 82,000 people or so actually claimed that money. The rest had either died or some people might have refused it because they thought it was not enough or they were still so angry that this had occurred. You're listening to 30 Minutes on 91.3 KXCI Tucson. I'm Amanda Schager, and we're joined in the studio today with Carolyn Sugiyama-Klassen, She's editor of the Southern Arizona Japanese Cultural Coalition, and she's also former legislative aide to U.S. Senator Daniel Inouye from Hawaii, and she was instrumental in the creation on the National Commission, which investigated the World War II Japanese-American internment. Carolyn, you were doing this in the late 70s and the early 80s, which, you know, wasn't even 40 years after... World War II at that time, and yet there had been no redress then. Was it something people 
were aware of even? Back in the early 80s, I don't think this was that well known. I don't think the history books had much about it. I did read about it in law school and I was shocked. And of course, my own personal history, I knew somewhat about it, but it wasn't well publicized. There was even opposition, of course, against people who thought, why should the Japanese Americans get redress? You know, why not Native Americans or black Americans? Why it's important today, 2017, is that besides the 75th anniversary of the Day of Remembrance, one of the former internees, George Takei, who is most famous as Mr. Sulu from Star Trek, has come out with a movie... It's a musical film called Allegiance. And of course, it's about pledging allegiance to United States of America when your family is in the camps. Many of the young men who were in the camps, about a thousand of them, actually volunteered to serve in the United States Army. They became part of the 442nd Regimental Combat Team. U.S. Senator Danny Noy was one of those who did serve in the 442nd. As most people know, he lost his right arm in Italy during the war. My uncle also served in the 442nd. They were able, even though the United States was at war with Japan, Japanese Americans served in the European theater. Yes, that's right. They served in Europe, in Germany and Italy. And I forgot to mention that my uncle was a medic in the 442nd, so he must have seen some pretty horrendous things. Back to the movie. Allegiance by George Takei opened up nationwide on December 13, and it played again here, coincidentally, on February 19. It is a musical film about internment camp life. And, of course, George Takei was personally involved because he himself was an internee during the war. He was able to use his fame to really call attention to this Many people follow him on Facebook. He has millions of followers and frequently doing lots of creative commentary on social justice issues. So it was really able to shine a spotlight on this issue culturally, uh, an issue that you struggled to shine a spotlight on. Right. I think George Takei is probably the most famous person who was interned. Here in Arizona, as I mentioned, there were two camps in Tucson, well-known Pima Community College professor, and he was also, I guess, an administrator, Hanko Yama, was interned with his mother at Poston Relocation Center. So many people remember Hank, and I like to say prayers to him and, you know, in his memory, as well as uh, his mother. I'm still meeting to this day people who were interned here in Arizona, and they come up and talk to me about it. Amanda, this was a very painful chapter in the lives of Japanese-American people. A lot of them are reluctant to talk about it or will not talk about it or will not attend any of these events. I guess I also want to say that this was a wrong that was done to our people. And yes, redress was given. And um, it's something we shouldn't forget. This is why there are displays like this at the Tucson Desert Art Museum. I think the best Japanese-American internment camp display or exhibits are at the Japanese-American National Museum in Los Angeles. A lot of people do go over there to see it. 
It's a very powerful exhibit, and they have collected artifacts and remnants of the camps and photographs and things. And so if you want to learn more, go there. Currently, the uh, Chandler Museum up in Chandler, Arizona, has an ongoing exhibit about the Gila River internment camp, which was nearby Chandler. And that exhibit goes sometime until the summer of this year. Carolyn Sugiyama Klassen, were there protests at the time of the internment? Have you heard anything about that? Did anybody try to stop the internment? That's a very good question, Amanda. This was all happening February to March 1942. No, I don't think there were a lot of protests. I don't think people were actually standing up against what the government was doing. It is because there was no internet then, it is possible that lots of people didn't know this was happening. I still hear from people who say they didn't even know it happened, and they were right there in Los Angeles or Seattle. They were later three individuals, Gordon Hirabayashi, Fred Korematsu, and Mitsuye Endo, who actually challenged the relocation and internment all the way up to this U.S. Supreme Court. They didn't win their cases at the time, but they did later in the sense that the Supreme Court did address the issue later and obviously regretted what they had done. But in terms of mass protest, no. Unfortunately, there was not. You occasionally read of stories about neighbors keeping the farm going, just individual acts of support. Yes. A lot of Japanese Americans in uh, the West Coast, fortunately, did have friends who kept their possessions or watched their property while they were gone because they left for an indefinite period of time. No one knew how long the war was going to last. No one knew where they were going. Ten of these internment camps just had to be built on the spot out in the desert. So people did help. There was a Jewish woman, my father told me, in Los Angeles who kept his possessions for him as he fled on the train to Chicago, and then she shipped it to him later. So they were wonderful people, angels, you know, who helped Japanese Americans, but most of them lost everything. And that's the economic loss that $20,000 did not repay. I still hear that today from emails from people about the losses they endured. I know a lot of people will hear us say, Shikata Ganai, which is the famous Japanese saying, it cannot be helped. And that was the saying of endurance that people took with them to the camps. Remember, these camps were, as I said, in desert areas of the country. They were isolated. Medical attention wasn't very good. The camp at Polston had 18,000 people. The camp at Gila River had 14,000 people. And at times, these were more people than the Native American tribe had itself right there at the same place. So these were like little cities that popped out of nowhere. Carolyn, when you were working on the commission, was there opposition? Was that a struggle for you to get the commission? Yes, Amanda. Even in the early 1980s, when I talked to the congressional aides about pitching the bill, why their senator or congressman needed to co-sponsor this bill, they would look at me blank like, oh, this was military necessity. Oh, but there was always this huge fear of espionage and sabotage by the Japanese Americans. And Amanda, there was no evidence of that. There were no findings of any betrayal by Japanese Americans that were interned. So people were telling me military necessity, but 
when the commission investigated it, they talked to all the people and the governmental officials who were involved, and they went through all the documents that FDR needed before he signed the executive order, and they found no evidence of any of that. Do you know who the particular people in the Franklin Delano Roosevelt administration who were lobbying for this? Mostly military personnel at the time. There's a huge number of books about the relocation. Oh, Amanda, I forgot to mention that this topic is coming up at Tucson Festival of Books in March. There will be a panel discussion on March 11, 10 a.m. on the Japanese-American internment camps, just themselves, which I think probably has not been discussed at the Festival of Books prior to this. Two new authors have come out with two more books on this internment. And then on March 12, there's another panel at 2.30, at, also at the Festival of Books. This one's at the UA Special Collections. I forgot to mention that the first talk is at the Gallagher Theater. And the second talk is about the Holocaust and the Japanese-American internment and the parallels between them. They both happened during World War II, and they were, some people call them they were, that they were both concentration camps. Do you often find when you meet people or tell people about this or discover the internment or the National Commission, do you hear, why don't you get over it? Why don't they get over it? Yes, Amanda, we actually have people who just look at us blank, like, why is this still an issue? Or they act like they never heard about it. Some people, of course, are still angry at the war, and rightfully so. Japan did a pack. Pearl Harbor, which was a trust territory in the United States, and 3,000 people did die. But people blame us, us people born after the war, that because we're of Japanese ancestry, we must have been responsible for Pearl Harbor. So yes, there's still mixed feelings about a lot of this. I think generally the people I meet tend to be supportive and they say, too bad this happened. This was definitely a wrong. I have many, of course, lawyer friends are aghast, and they're always shocked to hear this and how it happened and that due process was not given. They tell me that, oh, our U.S. Constitution failed us. Yes, but these things happen, probably in the history of all countries. And for me, it's personal, but it's also, I'm here today just to say that I hope this never happens again. And that's what most of the internees who were in the camps do say. They say, let's just hope this never happens again because it actually was quite a wrong done to innocent people on U.S. soil. I had people argue to me, oh, no, this happened in Nazi Germany. And I said, no, this happened right here in America. There were 10 camps and others. There were some Department of Justice and FBI camps that are not included in the 10 large relocation center map that most people have seen. Carolyn Claussen, any more final thoughts today? Thank you, Amanda. We have talked today about the Day of Remembrance, which was February 19, 2017. We've talked about the ongoing exhibits at the Tucson Desert Art Museum, as well as the Chandler Museum up in Chandler, Arizona. We've talked about the Japanese American National Museum over in Los Angeles, which has a terrific exhibit on the World War II Japanese American internment camps. And I guess the final thing is today, I was there. I see myself as the right person at the right time 
to help Senator Noe pass this legislation back in 1980 to create the National Commission, which finally investigated the wrong done. The commission did its work, issued a report about the grave injustice. Redress happened. Ronald Reagan signed the bill in 1988. And so here we are in 2017. And let us just hope that there are no any future executive orders that do something like this again. Because this indeed was a wrong done to my father. I forgot to mention that the Buddhist priest, father of an aunt of mine, was taken away too. And he was living on the island of Kauai. I think about my friends who were interned and their families. There are many here in Tucson whose families were at Gila River and other camps. And I think about them, and we're just trying to reconcile a wrong that was done in American history. Thank you, Amanda. You've been listening to 30 Minutes on 91.3 KXCI Tucson. My guest today has been Carolyn sugiyama Klassen. She's the editor of the Southern Arizona Japanese Cultural Coalition. She's a former legislative aide to U.S. Senator Daniel Inoue from Hawaii, and she was instrumental in the creation of the National Commission, which investigated the World War II internment of Japanese Americans. <laughs>